Get your stats up. And even though the truth hurts, get your facts up. MSL's playing hurt. Get your stats up. Bluff City, Hoop City, facts up. Man, I'm in town balling, and I know Captain Stats. MSL playing hurt. That's my favorite podcast. NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, NCAA, and shout out to the local sports as well. From the franchise players to the business personnel, the sports talk heavyweights. Let's start the show. Ring the bell. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Playing Hurt. I am CJ Hurt, and on the other side of me, I have my man Drew Barrett. We got a great topic for you guys today, and really, it's it's something that's on most people's minds over in this area in the mid south and in Memphis especially what's going on with the Tigers can that season be salvaged can the season be saved and so that's what we're going to talk about here can can the Tigers basketball season be saved what they if yes what they need to do to save it if no where where do we go from here so uh real quick super bowl weekend just wrapped up you can listen to that podcast um in our little podcast folder on uh, iTunes underneath Cerrito Live and on MemphisSport.com, which I'm assuming you guys are listening to because that's how you guys find us. But uh, how was your Super Bowl, Drew? It was good. You know, uh, I enjoyed it. Watched it with my lady and my good friends. See, neither one of us listened to our own advice on the show, which was don't watch the Super Bowl There, I know. There's a lot of women there. I was watching it at uh, at the old fraternity house. Okay. And uh, we had our nice little get-together. There was a lot of women. They kept talking a lot. I had to yell. One of them kept getting up in front of me a lot. I was yelling (laughs) down in front at her throughout the entire game. She doesn't like me very much now. But I'm trying to watch the game. I'm trying to watch the commercials. Get out of my way. I don't know why you want to watch those commercials. If hindsight was 22. I don't anymore. 22-22. Hindsight's 20-20. Just gosh. Which, I don't know what's more depressing. Well, I know which one is more depressing for me personally. You being a Tigers fan, Tigers mm-hmm. basketball especially, what is more depressing? The Tigers basketball season thus far or that – was it nationwide with the kid dying? Nationwide had to have been because it's the middle of the second quarter. I'm all happy. You know, I think Seahawks were – I think they had either just scored or about to score to, take, to tie up the game 14-14. And all of a sudden this nationwide commercial comes on, and I couldn't hear it that well. Right, because like I said, there's a lot of talking. So I'll, I never heard the kid actually say, "I'll never learn. I'll never not learn to fly. I'll never uh, get married." I just heard him somehow to say, "And I'll get married." And then at the end, when people finally started getting quiet. He's like, "Cause I'm dead." And then it just shows the bathtub <laughs> overflowing, the knocked over TV, the the the, the dishwasher the, packs. Oh my god! I was like, no. No, this is a happy occasion. This is a happy event in sports. Nope. And you're going to bring me down like that? I was all happy. Nope. And then, um, Dan, that one made me more mad. The one that made it, one that either, other than the Budweiser commercial that we talked about last week, I did enjoy that. I'm glad the, the horses saved the dog from the wolf. Go they horses. Just, they just broke out of that shed, man. They did. But the other one that really touched me emotional was the uh, Nissan commercial where they were playing Cats in the Cradle. Yeah. Uh, about the kid and the dad, and like I said, I was watching it at the frat house. I was not 
with my father, and I almost shed a tear. I wanted to call him and say, Dad, I love you. Thank you for always being there. Not being on the road with him as a race car driver. Thank you for showing me support. Oh, that's the me. commercial. Yes. The race car driver one. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Gosh, hugged at me. I was like, I'm so lucky oh. to have a dad who was there all the time, and he wasn't driving Goodness. cars. And I, I mean, I literally, I was literally, I had my phone in my hand. I was like, I got to text him. I got to text Dad. <laughs> he needs to know I love him. So, Dan, oh. I know you're listening. I love you. Nice. It's, it's great that commercials can bring that out of us. Just not during the Super Bowl. No. Not during the Super Bowl. I don't want to almost oh. shed a tear because I'm, I'm sad that I'm not with my father right now. I don't want, I don't want to evaluate my values mm-hmm. during the Super Bowl. I don't, let's change how we use like a girl. Show us how you throw like a girl. Show us how you run like a girl. Like, don't do that to me during. Don't get me the thinking. Su- women, it's not all about you. Dadgummit, the Super Bowl is on. That is sacred. And you guys have come in and made me think about my morals. So that, that whole next drive, I'm like, man, I used to say that in a negative way. I need to stop that. Why am I saying this? And the whole time the game is going on and I'm doing like this deep inner self-reflection and I look up. And it's another commercial going on. I have no clue what happened there in the game because I'm looking inward at my own values. And that's just, you know, not during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Just not during the Super Bowl. I kind of I kind of acted the opposite way about it. My girlfriend knows I love to be a smart ass to her. So, like, I looked at her. I was like, so true. <laughs> They're like, run like a girl. I was like, so true. So true. You throw. You run like that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> she probably, oh, She God. smacked me for it, but. That's well, just that's just how we are. I'm a smart did, Alex. She slaps me for him. Our world keeps on spinning. Did she hit you like a girl? Yeah. So was that a hard hit or a soft hit? It was more of a soft hit. She knew I was joking. I, I for all you ladies, lovely ladies out there listening, do not take offense to that. I I do not hate women. I love women. I think women's rights is very important. But not during the Super Bowl. And <laughs> if I'm talking to my girlfriend, I'm gonna be a smart Alex. It's just that's just how it is. All right, so we're going to hop right on into this. Uh, again, you can go back and listen to that Super Bowl podcast. We had Kevin Cerrito on with us uh, for another show. I yep. guess we're we're the spinoff of his radio show, which is always nice. Spinoff? There have been a lot of great spinoffs. We might take a look at some of the greatest spinoffs in history one day. One I mean, episode. if technically we are a spinoff, we're going to have to. Cause yeah. We're going to have to, not, not to be mean to old Kevin Cerrito, but I, I mean... I kind of I don't want to be a spinoff. I kind of want to be at the same level, you know. But look, when I hear listen, the word listen. spinoff, I always think of below. No, but see, that's not the case. It's been when we get to looking at this list. I want to be even with. When it. we look at this list of spinoffs, there have been a lot of legendary spinoffs. Where so we'll take Cheers for instance. Mm. Cheers had like three or four spinoffs. Among them, Frasier, which was an awesome show, stupendous. And that's do you watch Frasier? I watched it. When it came on in syndication. Yeah. I thought I always thought that was like the whitest show ever. Seinfeld for me is the whitest show ever. Frazier, I enjoyed Frazier. I found I found him amusing. He was he was that, that real dry type of humor. Mm. I, I like that in my comedies and everything, so I enjoyed watching you it. You see the first thing that comes to mind when I think of spins off a spin off is uh Joey for uh, that spun off of Friends. See, that was garbage. That was terrible. That was that, that's the garbage. first thing that comes into my mind, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not Joey. Darn it! I want to be friends. <laughs> we all want to be friends, literally, and like the TV show. Yes, of course. Yeah. All right. Now back in there, 
uh, Tigers basketball. You, I'll let you start. All right, well, thank you. What's going on with I've it? I've been man? thinking about this all day, you know, building up to the podcast, trying to get my emotional speech ready. And I'm going to hold on to it, though. But just to start, going into Saturday's game against Gonzaga, I honestly, you know, I didn't have that much of hope. Right. On my radio show, though, Thursday, I did pick them because I thought somebody in the city needed to. It was more of a joking pick. I mean, if somebody was holding a gun to my head, I would have picked Gonzaga every day, <laughs> darn day. Because they're the number three team in the nation, and we learned why they are the number three team in the nation. But... It's just starting to get to be too much. It's starting to become too much heartbreak. And when you look at it, we're sitting at 13-8. and eight. Yes, we still have a winning record. Yes, we'll probably finish at the top of the American Conference. But that's not good enough for us anymore. I mean, I don't know if we as Tiger fans have just gotten that spoiled or the expectations of the program well, are okay, where they're supposed s- to be and the team is failing us. Let me stop you right there. When did when did Tiger basketball become spoiled? What what have they done? Uh, I guess for the past ten years to make you say that hey, this program should be better than what it is right now. Three straight Elite Eights, one Final Four, and a national championship runners up. The next year going to Sweet Sixteen. I mean that was a great stretch. I mean I loved the two thousand four, two thousand five, two through 2008 2009 it was just incredible we got spoiled we were ranked every week we 2007 2008 we weren't ranked we we're our highest ranking our lowest ranking was three right which we started off with and you just get used to winning i guess you just keep getting used to getting the biggest recruits the best players playing at the biggest stage and when that just stops you're just like whoa 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 this isn't this isn't what I've come to know. This is one what I've uh, emotionally bought into. Right. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I was a Tiger fan way before. Since day one, I've been a Tiger fan. But you start to get emotionally involved, and you start to feel like I deserve to be a winner. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I asked that question not to be Debbie Downer mm-hmm. because I agree with everything you just said, and I think that. Memphis is, and people get upset when I say this in this area. So I say it with some pause. Memphis is one of the premier uh, mid-major teams mm-hmm. in the nation. Yeah. Now Tigers fans believe there's something more than mid-majors, which is, you know, up for, I guess, some sort of debate. I think of them as a mid-major. I think of Gonzaga as a mid-major. VCU, Butler. I think of those guys as mid-majors mm-hmm. still. Teams who you can take, you know, usually run their smaller conference, but if you took them from their smaller conference and put them in a Power Five conference, they'd still do well. And right, this particular Memphis team this year, that's not the case. Like they, I don't know if it's, some of it is the the step up in competition. We didn't see it as much last year because you had those senior guards. And college basketball is dominated by, and basketball in general, mm-hmm. is really dominated by the people who have the ball the most, which are, are your guards. When you have four senior guards, four talented senior guards, then that kind of masks some of the, the deficiencies you have as a team. And even though there were clear deficiencies on that Tiger team last year, they were able to mask that and step up in level of competition at the same time. Mm-hmm. This year, you got a bunch of young guards 
and you're at that same level of competition. This is no longer Conference USA. You know, you're not getting the. Of course, you still play Houston and SMU and those type of guys, but you you also have to play. You play Temple, who's good basketball team. Another one of those great mid majors. Um, did to Tulane last weekend. Tulane only scored eight points in the first half against them. Yeah, that's because they're good. They're like, good. I'm. I'm. Passner. Passner once said. Passner once said, "Everybody's good," and that was he was he was dead serious. Mm-hmm. But we all know everybody's not good. We do. Now you've gone from Conference USA and playing beating up on East Carolina to coming to you know the American. Now you got to play teams like Cincinnati while also playing the good teams like uh, Tulane, Temple, SMU. You know, and so it's more good teams in your conference. So now, now that statement, everybody is good. Well, while everybody's not good in the American, there are more good teams in the American than there were in Conference USA. And so that has to be accounted for also with this dip in production for the Tigers difference in competition has been a lot higher. You know, you do have to play those UConns, those Cincinnati's. Uh, SMU is not the same SMU team they were back in Conference USA. They're ranked number 23 right now. They haven't been as great, though, as we thought they were going to be this year, but they are still top. Still, top, still a tournament team. Still top a tournament 50. team. You've also got Tulsa, which is still right now sitting atop of the conference at 9-0 and and 16-5 and overall. I mean, Yes, the, the the you. I mean, when people make the comparisons to the Cal Perry and Pastner, it is kind of unfair because of the conference play, and because the the amount of talent. I mean, there's no doubt Cal Perry had way more talent on a lot of those Tigers teams than Pastner has ever had. But with that being said, why is Pastner called a great recruiter if he can't get? the same type of talent. It seems like they've swung and missed on a lot of recruits. A lot of, a lot of people who we were told were good, who very well may be good in the right system, in a different system, it seems like they, for whatever reason, they don't develop into that four-star, five-star prospect with mm-hmm. uh, Josh Passner. And that's something else that goes into it uh, as well. You know, we're, we're told that Pookie Powell is supposed to be the next great thing. We're told these things about some of these players, about Shaq Goodwin, for instance, and everything like that. And then they get here, and they hit a wall, and then they just never break through that wall. And they always kind of just pitter-patter around and become a so-so college basketball player. Yeah, the only player that I think has really actually panned out has been as good as he's supposed to be underneath Pashner is Austin Nichols. He has had a phenomenal sophomore year this year. I mean, he has made... Uh, just off the top of my head, last two weeks he was uh, all conference for the American Conference. Uh, he has just been putting up great numbers. He leads the team in rebounding per game. He leads the team in blocks per game. He leads the team in points per game at thirteen point two. Only only player end up only player for the Tigers in double digits mm. average per game. The only about the person right below him is Trayshawn Burrell with nine point one points per game. Yeah. So. My question to you, CJ, is what should Tiger fans be upset about? Should they be upset at the players, or is this is this Pastner's fault? I, I personally, 
Personally. This, this is this is kind of one of those cop out answers. I never like to give all of the blame to one entity or the other. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, if a gun is held to my head, I I think that you you blame the coach. I think you blame you put it on Passner because you had the luxury of having those guards there mm-hmm. last year, and you didn't do more to develop the people behind them. We talked earlier. You guys can go back and listen to our Tiger preview podcast and hear everything we got wrong about the season because we both thought they'd be in the NCAA tournament. Um, but we did bring up the point about how much they lost from those four guards mm-hmm. and how much those four guards played. And they played a lot, a lot of minutes. And you just look back at last year and you think it was a couple of blowouts and it was a couple of games that you know you had under control why didn't you get some of these guys more playing time, more experience, mm-hmm. and try and develop them that way on the court as well? And so you're not just throwing them in there and then they're learning kind of sort of as they go type of deal. I can't remember the exact numbers, but they accounted for well over 60% of that team's everything last year with with those four guards. And so when you have that type of production leaving and you don't really have good you know, quality backups because you hadn't played them and you hadn't developed them enough, then, you know, I think that goes on the coach. Yeah. For for a little bit of numbers for you out there, you know, the biggest one of the is Pastner, just he's not that as good. But you've got to look at it. He's got solid numbers. I'm really, he, any, a lot of mid-major conference teams, if you want to put Memphis in that category, I like to put them a little bit above, but we're going to put them in that category for this there needs, right there here. needs to be another category because men major kind of we got to be between kind of kind of carries that negative connotation mm. can we call them i don't know quality mid-major a qmm i don't know we'll figure it out all right we'll figure it out we'll, we'll think of something by the end of the show but yeah. any other mid-major school would want to have Passner as a coach, especially if you're putting up these type of numbers. He's got 143 wins, only 52 losses, which, like I said, we've been spoiled. 52 is way too much for a lot of Tigers fans. He's got a 733 winning percentage, two regular season conference titles, three conference tournament titles, four NCAA NCAA AA appearances, um, but two and four. In the NCAA, and that's that's that is what kills him every time. See, but he's also he's only on a sixth season, and he's already fourth on the all-time wins list for Memphis coaches. But and again, he came, he inherited a Ferrari, mm-hmm. is what he did yeah. when when Cal left. Cal left this program in better shape than when it was found, you know. And you brought up the fact that Memphis has won twenty games a year since what two thousand two thousand one two thousand ninety nine two thousand. That was Cal's first year. That was John, uh, Johnny Jones's one year. I didn't even know who it was until I looked it up. Are we sure about that? Yeah, because okay. he was 15 and 16. Next year we went 21 and 15 in 2000, 2001. So this, if Pastner doesn't win seven out of the next ten games, seven out of the next ten, and look at who you got to play. You've got to play Temple. You've got to play SMU, Cincinnati again, UConn. you got to play Tulsa again. That's five easily losable games, and you've got to win seven just to reach 20. I mean, 20 wins is the bare minimum you have to do. You have to win 20. That is it. You, that is the bare minimum you have to do. And if you can't do the bare minimum, 
why should I like you and why should I? <laughs> I I'm just getting on my little rant here, okay? Why should I like you and why should I want you to continue to be my coach of what I think is a is a great one of the best basketball pro- programs in the country? Why do I want you at the helm? Why would I want a below twenty year and say it's okay? You'll get them next year, Tiger. You got them, and it's fine. No. So to to kind of explain to the listeners what's going on with this type of thinking, some some listeners are like you. They're like, like what? Yeah, yeah we, yeah. You tell them, Drew. Other listeners are like, what is, is the positive pause? Is Memphis basketball? What are you talking about? It's okay. It's it's decent. It's nothing to write home about. You guys are just you guys are delusional. It's it's not expectations. Memphis fans are delusional. Well, since 2005, Memphis has the most wins at home out of anybody in the nation. And I think that's like 180-something, I do believe. Uh, 187. They've lost 24 times at home since 2005. They've lost 25 times. too much. (laughs) 24 times. You talk about the Elite Eight appearance. You talk about the Final Four, the championship game, all the tournaments. I was there. So, you know, this is a program that is – really really good mm. and to have a season like this it is it is cause for pause it is as a Tigers fan you should say oh, oh this, we shouldn't we should be upset about this and this is look and it's looking like it is about to be the trend I'm not for certain if this Tigers team will ever ever get back to that yeah because I'll give me a heart attack yeah all it takes that. is that one year man all it takes, and if it doesn't get corrected quickly with some urgency and some oomph, this this one year could be become a five, six, seven year stretch of mediocrity mm-hmm. when you look at it. And so, as a Tiger fan, you guys have every right to be upset and concerned and ready to go storm FedEx form with your pitchforks and torches, man. I I understand, I understand. Right now, Tigers win loss versus RPI top fifty. First off. Forget top twenty-five. They're on four against the top twenty-five, this, and it this, is ju- the, just this year, right? Yeah, okay. just this year. But we can talk about that also because Pasner traditionally doesn't beat good teams. Josh Pasner and this Memphis program for the past since Pasner came in, honestly, mm. they hadn't beat good teams. Now you bring up the fact they they swept Louisville last year. Yeah, we did. I think they split with SMU last year. Mm. And so, you we know. He got swept got, by Cincinnati and UConn. Beat Oklahoma State when Oklahoma State had Marcus Martin look like they were going to be a force to be reckoned with. Well, that, was, that was technically the uh, the the game that Marcus Smart was a little uh, sick, but. Hey, count, count it. A win's a win. I know it is. I'm going to count it. In, Don't worry. And, but last year was Passioner's fifth year coaching. Yes, this is and it took him six years. It took him five, and I I know I understand playing in Conference USA. It's not like you play a whole heap of top twenty five competition year in and year out. But it took him five years to get his first win over a top twenty five team. Just stop and let that sink in. It took him five years to get his first win over an AP top twenty five team, and this is supposed to be a a quality mid major program. Mm. This is supposed to be, you know, a a destination stop for basketball players. It's Hoop City for Pete's sake. You know, and it took the coach five years to beat a top 25 team. What Memphis has done under Passner is beat everybody they're supposed to beat. 
with the exception of one or two hiccups. And and nobody, they beat nobody who they shouldn't beat. And so can you make a living as a coach off of that? No. No, not especially not if you're the ninth highest paid coach in the nation as our friend John. Well, I don't know if Johnny is a friend. He hasn't been on the program. We'll as, as as Johnny, as John Harden points out, you know, he's the ninth highest paid coach in the nation. He's making $2.7 million a year, and he can't find ways to beat Wichita State, Gonzaga, uh, Baylor. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't find ways to beat SMU to go in conference. He can't find ways to beat these teams. Well, then something something's wrong there. Something is wrong there. But against the top 25 this year, they're 0-4, mm-hmm. and it's not close. Against the top 50, they're 1-6 with that one win being against Cincinnati. Here, Here's their, their average margin. Well, not average margin of defeat. Here is how many points they're losing by in these games. And these six losses, 15, 24, 18, 14, 18, 18. Like, they're getting slaughtered in these losses. Yeah. I mean, they're not even close. I mean, the closest loss we have is what? Uh, just randomly looking at it. Stephen F. Austin by 12. And I do believe Stephen F. Austin is like 103rd in the RPI rankings. They're, they're outside of the top 100. So that's one of those bad That's one of those bad losses that Passner's had on his resume. Mm-hmm. And that so, was... uh. That was my first play-by-play, or second play-by-play. Oh, you'll always have Stephen F. Austin. I know. I know. So excited to get to do play-by-play, and we go out there and lose. <laughs> but yeah, yes, No, so. that was actually my first one, because then I did Bradley and then uh, USC Upstate. So Okay. Yeah, first ever get play-by-play behind the mic, getting to do, call it from, live from FedEx Forum, and they lose. Yeah. Maybe you should stop doing playback. In fact, you should just leave the university. They didn't start struggling until you I enrolled there. I know. I did not enroll at the University of Memphis until the fall. But the football team needs me, though. The football Ten team and does three. need you. Ten and three when I'm enrolled. Go, okay? Tigers, go. I know. Just so enroll for football season and drop out, drop out after drop out spring semester and just do it like that. Okay. I don't know if my, they'll keep allowing my credits to keep switching over. Yeah, they will. Where am I going to transfer to? Oh, so you plan on still going to school? No, I'm not saying oh, go I don't to school. Have, I don't have to go to school. No, it would just take you eight years to get a degree. Okay. You'll, you'll sacrifice for the Tiger basketball program. I'll sacrifice you? anything for the. Everybody has to sacrifice for the Tiger basketball program. Everybody. Not just me, people. If I have to go to school for eight years and you're doing something that you think that is making the Tigers lose, you've got to stop. Got to stop it. You got to stop it. You got to move from the city. You got to move from the country. I don't care <laughs> what you got to do. I want to win. And I'm willing to do everything that it takes to win. Why aren't you? All right. So, right now, as far as conferences go, uh, American Palm has the American ranked eighth. Mm. As, as far as all the other conferences go. Uh, they got four teams in. What does Memphis... So, we're going... Can the season be saved, Drew? See, we were talking about this before the show, and the only way the season can be saved for me and for most fans is NCAA tournament. Right. NIT, failure. No doubt about it. I mean, yeah, you get a very low seed in the in the tournament, like you're a number 10 or, 10 or higher. That That's not 
a successful season, but you're still in postseason play. You're still in the NCAA tournament. I'll take that any day over at NIT. Don't ever, ever just say, hey, you're going to play in the NIT. I will never be happy about that. That's that's not something I or any other Tiger fan will be happy to be like, yes, we made it. So, that, so NCAA is the only way you save it. And like I talked about before, for Pastor just to get to 20, 20 wins, he's got to win 7 out of 10 games. Yeah. And 5 of those games are teams you've already lost to. Except for Temple. Right. So, I honestly don't think the season can be saved. I, I'm pressing the panic button. I'm putting on my black suit and I'm going to bury the season now. We're going to have a funeral for it right after this. Because <laughs> it's dead, people. I'm sorry. I've got to just say it. I mean, I'd, uh, I'd, I would love for the season to still be alive, you know, to still for them all just to turn around, for the season to finally click between the coaches and the players and everything. But I've also got to be realistic. 20 wins? Does that streak end also? Yeah. Let's Okay, let's go through here. Jacksonville State, win or loss? Win. Temple, win or loss? Loss. East Carolina? Win. South Florida? Win. Both of those are at. Uh, not that it matters. Those two, those two teams are terrible. Uh, at home against Connecticut? Win. At UCF? Win. SMU at home? Loss. Tulsa at home? Loss. At Connecticut? Loss. At Cincinnati? Loss. Gosh! <laughs> you have them losing their last four games. You're not going to beat SMU. You're not going to beat Tulsa. You're lucky if you split. The only reason I gave the game against UConn, the first one was it's at home. Okay. And I've got a little bit more faith playing here than in Hartford, Connecticut. And then I honestly don't think we beat Cincinnati again. Okay. That puts them, what's, I, what's that record? Five. So that puts them at with only 18 wins on the year. Mm-hmm. That's rough. And, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I'm almost, I'm almost about to cry just thinking about it. You, when you were just rambling off, and I had to keep saying loss and loss <laughs> and loss. I'm getting emotional. Like I really hope our listeners can tell how much this university and this team means to me. Like this has been a lifelong obsession I have had my entire life. Like, I mean, honestly, if my girlfriend gave me an ultimatum. University of Memphis basketball. No, me. no, basketball. I'd have to. No, it's that much of an. You dump the girl for the team. It's that much of an. Of an that is dedication right there. I'd stay single the rest of my life. If, <laughs> if every girl gave me that ultimatum, I'd probably die alone. Gosh. It's that. It means that much to me, and it means that much to a lot of fans. That it does. And that's why there are a lot of people complaining and crying about this because we are that emotionally invested into it. It's, it's not just the team we like. It is us. It's a part of us. Right. It is. It defines who we are almost. And I know that sounds idiotic and it sounds bad, but it's the truth. It. The University of Memphis and University of Memphis basketball is who we are. Mm-hmm. Like, if you ask me to describe myself in three ways, I'm a journalist. Uh, what's another way? Um, I'm an athlete, and I'm a Tiger fan. That's it. Those are the three ways I would describe myself. Yeah. Wouldn't describe myself as a Tigers fan, but I understand. I do understand where you're coming from, and I, I empathize with this plight. What do they need to do 
to turn this season around? Though? What do they need to do to avoid that four-game losing streak? What do they need to do to get these 20 wins? And maybe, don't forget, you run through conference tournament. Tournament time, anything goes. That is true. You run through this tournament and get in automatically. We've seen, hell, we saw UConn do that, do something similar to that last year, didn't mm-hmm. we? We saw Syracuse do it a couple of years ago. It, it's It's always one team who... You know, okay, they're having a bad year. They're probably not going to get into the tournament. They're probably in IT bound. They probably don't want to be there. And then you look up and conference tournament comes and big shot after big shot, great play after great play, good defensive stop after great defensive stop. You look up and it's like, oh, they just played them themselves into the tournament by winning their conference tournament, and then they just carry that momentum all the way through. So what do the Tigers need to do to to rectify this situation, to right this proverbial ship? The only way that it's going to get better is, I mean, literally everybody has got to click at this point. I mean, Shaq Goodwin has got to get better. I don't know what has happened to him. Well, here's, here's the thing. Here. Now now we're talking about players now. All right. Well, let's talk about players. Cause, I mean, literally, that's what it's going to take. I mean, Pastor can kind of step up his game, but he's not out there on the court. Right. So it's got to start with the players. And Austin's got to stay consistent. He's got to keep doing what he's doing. Maybe even a little bit better. Yeah. Guard play has got to perform. I need, I just need one guard, one guard <laughs> that I can trust, because uh, I honestly can't trust any of them. I can't trust Pookie. I can't. I mean, I can't trust Burrell. I can't trust Key uh, Johnson. Okay. Gosh, most most disappointing part of the year, Keydron. Man, all that dude's worried about is his rap career. Oh, he's you know, a rapper? He's a musician. Yes. I didn't know he was a rapper. Oh, follow him on Instagram every day. It's like, yo, check out my mixtape. That's what's up. Yeah. I ain't like, that's all he's worried about. If the team's not going to the tournament, I guess he's got to have a backup career. Well, I don't care about his career. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to Keydron. I am. But, uh, Follow him on Instagram. It's there. You talk, You brought up Shaq. And I remember a couple years ago, Shaq was playing uh, on the U.S. national team. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing the story, either on the radio or reading it, somewhere where coach had to pull Shaq to the side and say, listen, if you think you're going to make it to the NBA by being a scorer, you're wrong. You're just not. You're not that good. If you think if you think you can make it to the NBA based on your effort and your energy, you're 100% correct. You are that you are that type of difference measure. What you do on this particular team, and this was for the national team, like the U19 team or whatever, mm-hmm. what you do for us is bring energy, you rebound, you're tenacious. And that's what we love about you, and that's why you play. You're not going to – it's too late for you to, I guess, develop into a score. And I, that kind of – I kind of kept that in the back of my mind just to see what happened. And then last year, great season for Shaq. And then this year, it's been a significant drop-off. And it's because those senior guards aren't there anymore. They caused people to switch over and help, and Shaq was able to get easy buckets. Shaq isn't a score. He's just not. If you if you're not a scorer by the time you get to college, guess what? You're not going to be one. He just he he won't develop into one. He doesn't have a low post game, low post move. He doesn't hit the mid range jump shot well. And if he's not hitting the mid range jump shot, you know he's not taking threes well. You know, so that's that's the deal with Shaq. And he, I feel like he's he's let that kind of get into his head that okay we're struggling, and I got to impact the game by scoring. Well, no. You can impact the game by making plays. He can impact the game by getting 50-50 balls, by getting rebounds, diving on the floor, being one of those people who makes it difficult to score. 
That's how Shaq can impact the game. And he's just not doing that this year. And it it is really it really hurts this team because he is and he can be and he's supposed to be that emotional leader for this team. That energy guy. Okay, these guys don't have it. Let me make a play to bring some energy into this some energy, some life into this game and get everybody back focused in on what we need to do. And it it everything falls on Austin right now. Mm. And that burden is too right now. That burden is too much for Austin Nichols. It is. It's way too much to ask a sophomore to do. Um, no matter how talented Austin is, it's, he cannot carry the team on his seventh, back. He's seventh tried. in the nation in blocks. He's tried already this year, and it's just you can see it's not working. It's worked a couple <clears> times <throat> against lesser talented teams, but it's not going to work against what you have the rest of the schedule and into the conference tournament, and especially if you ever if we somehow do make it to the to the tourney, it's not going to work there either. Yeah, and it's it's not Austin shoulders too much burden as is. Not that he won't be able to handle that in some years to come, but right now it's just not going to work. Like I said earlier, seventh in the nation in block shots. So he's able to rotate and get over there and contest shots and make you think about it. And they're like fifth in the nation in block shots Mm. overall. And so, you know, that's great that they're doing that, but they're not able to, to turn those defensive stops into easy buckets in transition. And that's because of these guards. They don't, for whatever reason, they can't, not only can they not run a half-court set, but they can't get out into the open floor and do anything either. And so when you have that type of issue going on, again, they're still, the guards are still 300 and like second, 303rd in the nation as far as turnovers go mm-hmm. per game. And so they're in the bottom 300 with turnovers. And it's just one of those things where, Till the guards get better, this team is really going to struggle. Yeah, I mean, the guard play is just, it hasn't been what we've expected it should be. I mean, total wise, I mean, turnovers, it just kills us. I mean, I've, we've had games this year where we've um, had as many as 29 turnovers this year. I mean, as a total, do you want to know the total number of turnovers we've had this year? Yes. 300. And four. Nice. Nice. More uh, turnovers. Shockingly, looking at these numbers, the two that are leading the team in turnovers this year aren't even guards. That's because they're trying to make plays. Because they feel like they have to make plays. Austin Nichols has 34 turnovers. Jack Goodwin has 35. They feel like Oh, wait, wait, wait. I missed the number. Pookie Powell, 49. (laughs) You almost got away with it, Pookie. Pookie, 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 man. But no, they. But still, that's a lot for big men to have, though. And they're doing that for for one reason is they feel like there's pressure on them to make plays. Yeah. First, secondly, Austin hasn't learned to handle the double team quite as well as he should mm. just yet. He's got to get the ball when he gets catches it. He's got to sense. It's got to become like a sixth sense almost. Where uh oh. I sense the double coming from either my left or from my right. Let me swing this ball out real mm-hmm. quick. like. But And with Shaq, it's just we're struggling. Somebody's got to make a play. I'm going to make a play. And he gets it ahead ends of up, himself yeah, a little bit. A lot of it. And it ends up leading to a turnover. It does. Mm-hmm. If somebody, for them to to snap out of this funk, we'll call it, for really for them to win 20 games, somebody has to get hot. 
somebody has to get real hot real quick and just go on a, about a six, seven game tear. Mm. Do they have a player capable of doing that on this roster? I think so. And the two that I'm going to say are Trayshawn Burrell and yeah. Avery Woodson. I think if Avery can get hot from three and stay hot, then we've got a shot. Right. And I think Trayshawn, if he can continue that high speed, that high energy plays, you know, rebound. He, he's a very good rebounder. You know, he shoots pretty well. Um, so I think if them two can get hot, then that helps. But I really think we've got to stay hot from everybody's. Everybody's got to contribute. Everybody's got to do their job. No one can slack. No one can slack. I don't know if everybody – it's college basketball. Everybody doesn't have to contribute. They, Kimball Walker. I think, I think with this team they do. McLemore, uh was Shabazz Napier last year. Like, while, while they had quality people around them when they got hot, once they got hot, you could have put any four players out there. Mm. You really could have, and it would have been – the same results because yeah, they were able to to do that. Now see, these are coming you, from you all just you name every single one of the people you named was guards, and that that happens if you senior, have a guard, senior guards, a senior at that. guard, and we don't have a senior guard. You do, Mister Mixtape himself, the, and and he's got to get hot. Kedron's got to get hot, baby. That's he's disappointed <laughs> me all year, especially especially first well, game showing up forty pounds overweight. I mean, he, and and uh, Godfrey, yeah. It, it was supposed to be, okay, Memphis lost these guards. Memphis, with the exception of Shaq and Austin, they, they're real thin in the uh, front court. Well, look at this. We got two transfers to come in. We got two, what everybody thought was great transfers to come in. Keatron was a hell of a player at Vanderbilt. Yeah. Yeah. And they the transfers didn't come through the way that we thought. It's like they... Memphis has has missed on a lot of good to great mm. college prospects, and it's one of two things: either one, they they need to reevaluate their evaluation process, mm. or two, they got the evaluation process right and they're not being developed. Either way it goes, that's on the head coach, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. And so you know he's got to figure it out. Got to figure it out quickly. So if these players are good, then why are they not developing? And if they're not as good as hyped, then what is it about them that kind of tricked you into believing that they were going to be able to contribute mm. to the team and to your program? I mean, I really think it's on this one's on Pastor because you look at where some of these people were coming out of high school, how high they were up on these ESPN boards and – 24, everybody, everybody can't be wrong. No, everybody can't be wrong. Somebody's got to be wrong, and I think it's Pastner here. He's just not doing. He hasn't done a very good job developing talent or using the talent he has. You know, a lot like Kedron, a lot better though. Michael Dixon Jr. came in last year for one year, and he performed really well at sometimes, but other times really, really bad. And he wasn't the same guy that he was in Missouri. And same with Keedron. They're not they just aren't I don't know if that year taken off really just kills their career or It killed Keedron's. It killed Keedron's. It killed Keedron's. Because he got bad. Dixon Dixon did 
for me, Dixon was my favorite of the four guards. Uh-huh. And I think that because he brought that, what I need Shaq, what you guys need, what Memphis needs Shaq to bring, mm. he brought that energy, that that fight, that nastiness, that, okay, they're on an 8 run. Yeah, but it so- ends now. Sometimes <clears throat> Michael Dixon took it way too far. He Nobody did. else is taking shots. I'm going to take <laughs> he did do 55 that. in a row. He he would do that. He would do that also. But wasn't he? He was six-man. Six-man of the year. Of the conference, year. Of conference. Yeah, last year. Yeah. He was the same thing when he was at Missouri. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Keedron is just a different animal because he came in so out of shape. And I don't know what you do as a basketball coach. You either say, hey, this guy's out of shape, we're not touching him, or hey, this guy's out of shape, we're going to get him back into shape quickly. And Passner kind of said, hey, he's out of shape. He'll get there as the season progresses mm-hmm. kind of sort of deal. Well, by the time the season progressed, you're already out of the discussion for, you know, NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that falls on him. That does. And I guess the people and the people around him, Somebody has to walk up to him and put their arm on his shoulder and say, Josh, no, not with this kid. No. It's nothing. I understand that. And I don't think Passner is is a star watcher. I don't think he sits there and is like, hey, he's a four-star recruit. He's a three-star recruit. Let's go. I I really think he looks at more than just the stars. Mm. He might do better off grabbing some two-star and unnamed players. Un, well, unranked players and bringing them in and getting them to buy into his system and playing for him, See, not for selfish reasons. Sort of but if the he, issue if he, he had if with If he Iverson. can't develop the four stars, he can't. He why can't, can't he? How how is he going to develop the twos? He can't develop. I feel like some of that is he can't develop the four stars because of their personalities, mm-hmm. their egos. Again, with Iverson. You know, Iverson is leading. We'll see what happens when he goes to Rhode Island, yeah. what type of player he becomes. But it's the same type thing. Would you – wow, you always want talent. You really – you need talent. But sometimes, you know, you just got to look and say, I need to get a guy who's going to get in here and do what I need him to do the way I need him to do it mm-hmm. and buy in completely. And sometimes you don't have to have – especially in college basketball. College basketball, you don't have to have – a whole roster full of top recruits. Mm. You don't. If you can get you two or three and then ten guys who buy in and then two guys who are redshirted, you got you a, a pretty solid roster. And so if he can get some of those, some guys with less personality, uh, and by less personality, I mean less ego, ego. involved, mm. and just to buy in, I think that the program will do a lot better. Okay, so we're starting to we're starting to get a little bit low on time. I just want to ask you a few quick hard questions. Here. Quick, quick hard questions, quick hard answers. Yes, nothing soft about the playing her podcast, baby. Austin Nichols he's had a hell of a year. Do you think he's NBA? NBA? Does he? Does he? No. Does he take his chances of letting his NBA stock drop? No, because or does I don't... he go to the NBA now, or does he? Try to go overseas for a year and come back? No, definitely no to the overseas. I, and I don't think... Well, I don't think that one either. I was just throwing it out. I don't think that he... Does he st- but he's, you see he can, him he can Memphis, be no, He can be a lottery pick with, a, with another year of development, mm. not a mid to late first round, second round pick. Mm. So I see him coming back. Okay. Good question. Good answer. Yeah. All right. 
Next answer. This, oh, question. This question. My bad. <laughs> Jeopardy. You're gonna give me the answer. Yes. <laughs> a lot of fans. They're at. They're out there. They're asking for Passner's head. It's not gonna happen. I the know. Buy, we the own, we, is too we much. own too much money. But how many more years does Passner have at Memphis? I Two. Mean, to, what I mean. So I mean, not including this year. Does he get another another um, contract extension? Extension. No. 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 Uh, I'm not saying he's done in Memphis. I, I give him another year mm. before you can realistically look at you know firing him or or releasing him or whatever they do with coaches buying him out of his contract. So he's here. He's back next year. If you don't want him back, tough. He's he's coming back next year. He is. And so you can do one of two things. You can complain about it the whole time, or you can try and support the team and the program and buy into whatever he's selling. Mm. I'm going to do the second one. I'm, I'm, I really always have tried to be a positive Paul and buy in and never be a negative Nelly, but it's starting to get hard. But I'm going to rededicate myself, refocus, and try to be as positive as possible. So, CJ. How far? I mean, final. I mean, what is your prediction for the end of the year? Where do we fit in the year? I want tournament it, and round. NIT tournament. Uh huh. I'll put them in the final four of the NIT. Final I will. Four of the NIT. I, I'll put them in there, and I think no, I won't. You put me on the spot here. Am I going to go final four? NIT people, just remember. I'll pit them. <laughs> I will the pit them. One, I will pit them in the Elite Eight of the NIT. So they get to the they get to the NIT tournament. They rent win two games in NIT. So they get to New York. Are the I guess that would be the quarterfinals. Are the quarterfinals played in New York? I think so. Well then yes. If the quarterfinals are played in New York, they get to New York. All right. If not there, they're just final eight teams in the NIT. What do you got them going? As much as it kills me to say this, I'm going to have to say NIT unless somehow we really, really pick it up in the conference tournament in the next 10 game, regular season games. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm to agree with you. I'm going to go NIT quarterfinals. Okay. No 20 wins, though. Well, I mean, no if, they 20, get to, if they get to the 20, if no they get 20 to the, uh, quarterfinals, they will have 20 wins. Yeah, but no 20 wins in the regular season. Okay. Which is what you're supposed to do in the regular season. <laughs> Postseason wins shouldn't count towards that 20-win record. But since Roma's out of time, I do want to tell our listeners about an event that's coming up March 21st. For all of you runners out there, it is the third annual Do It For Ben 5K out in Somerville, Tennessee, that is in Fayette County. For those of you who do not know, all the money and proceeds go to help the Fayette Academy Athletic Department, which I'm not too happy about. I'm a Rossville guy. But this uh, this event is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, the Ben uh, was uh, a member of my ex-girlfriend's family, uh, really uh, close to me. I was very, I'm very still in I feel very close to that family. Uh, so it's to celebrate his life uh, and to give back to the school that he played for and that he loved for. So I will have more information about that next week, about numbers you can call, um, how to sign up, how to register, and 
directions if some of y'all need it we can put it up on the website or uh, you can email us at uh, playinghurtpodcast at gmail.com for more information but I will have more information by the next podcast for all you runners out there and all of you that want to help support the Fayette Academy Booster Club nice nice shout out to Twitter man oh my Twitter yeah oh okay my Twitter is at at dbarrett36 uh, Instagram at D Barrett one two three six. I was getting confused. What can they listen to you? Oh, the week? oh man! You just let me shout out everything. <laughs> you lovely people can listen to me on ninety one point seven. That's WMR, the Jazz Lover on the Sports Desk, every Monday and Thursday from eight thirty five to nine o'clock for the greatest college perspective on the sports world and what's happening around campus. Definitely tune into the sports desk. And he's Drew is Drew is right there on Ground Zero, people. Mm-hmm. He is he is at the university when all of this stuff is going on with the basketball program. So if you want to know what the college kids are thinking about when time comes for this, you know, hit Drew up, listen to him. Uh, find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Conradicalness, and be sure to listen to our parent program, uh, Cerrito Live, every Saturday, eleven to one. I'll take parent program. I like that better than. Uh, spinoff. But if they're a parent program, that would mean it they sounds, had us and bad. we are a spinoff. It, it sounds we bad. are. We are. When we get a slow week, I don't know if ever there will be a slow week in the sports world, we are going to sit down mm-hmm. and come up with greatest spinoffs of all time. And I bet you we make number one, baby. Oh, darn. All right. <laughs> Who, who's number one on our uh, greatest sports moments in 2014? I think it was us. Yeah, I think it was too. So yeah, I, I've, we're got, awesome. I've got a good feeling. We're gonna we're, the, 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 we're gonna, the judges are going to put us in number one. We pat ourselves on the back quite oh, a bit on this show. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that does it for us, man. Thank hey, you for wait, listening. Wait, wait. Don't wait, forget to send the emails. Oh, Ask me emails, questions. Emails. Questions, let, people. Let us know what you think about the Tiger basketball season. You, not only can you email, you can comment in the comments section below. It's not going to take long, but we do want to hear from you. We want to know what you think about what we've said and what you think about the Tiger basketball season, or anything else in general. You can email us, playinghurtpodcast at gmail.com. Drew is apparently great at giving dating advice. I am. <laughs> I am. We are going to have to do that. Valentine's Day around the corner. We Valentine's might mention, Day, mention hey. something about Valentine's Day on the next podcast. Stay tuned uh, for that. You want the greatness that is my mind. Ask the questions, because I've got the answers for you people. Not only where to take your dates, I'll tell you what to get them, what to wear, what to cook if you want to cook. Alright? I can give you the best recipe for anything you want. So please email me and you'll be the greatest decision you ever made. You 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 heard it from Drew. He's self-proclaiming himself the greatest decision you've ever made. I think the greatest decision you ever made was listening to this edition of the Playing Her Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Have a wonderful and blessed day.